0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Hey, y'all. Welcome in to this edition of the 24-7 Sports College Ball Recruiting Podcast. I'm Bud Elliott, filling in for your normal host, Blair Angulo. And today, I'm happy to welcome in Southeastern Regional Analyst, Andrew Ivins. Ivins, welcome to the show. How we doing, Bud? Doing well, man. Doing well. Uh, also, the, the school you used to cover uh, exclusively, Miami, uh, doing well on the recruiting trail as they picked up uh, four-star safety Cameron Kenshins over the weekend.
0: Yeah, it was a uh, another big win for Miami, this kind of... Dream off season, I guess you would say. I mean, we all thought, or we didn't really know what would happen with this quarantine and like lack of visits and no camps or anything like that. I mean, I kind of thought, given how things ended for Miami last season, it would be almost like a disaster. And um, they've somehow found a way to actually like keep getting kids committing, and not only you know just kids like big targets that SEC schools want. So um, they're they're definitely. Have some momentum right now. I would say. So on on the Barton and Bud podcast, which is my my other show, Barton Simmons, our our
1: director of recruiting, uh, had mentioned that uh, he thought schools that had a lot of local talent would really uh, not suffer quite as many consequences as as the schools who didn't during the whole pandemic quarantine situation we're in, because that they were more likely to have seen these players in person uh, and, and actually have a real like in person relationship. With them, not that they're meeting with them in person right now, of course. But uh, whereas other schools that are way out of state uh, or out of a region that has a lot of talent, that they're trying to conduct business only over Zoom without ever having met these kids in person. And I know you, you shared a fun anecdote with me before we hit record. Uh, you actually had photos of Kenshin's from Win.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, like three years ago. I was actually on like my, I have like an old Mac that I was trying to find something on and. I was scrolling through just a a random camp. I mean, if you guys remember like when we had camp summer camp seasons, you know, these colleges would have 10 days to kind of run camps and some of them were like elite camps. And then other days it would be, uh, underclassmen camps and and none of the kids would, would really have offers. Well, I'm going through photos of that. And all of a sudden I see Cameron kitchens, um, you know, as a ninth grader, just working out for these coaches and, uh, I think Barton's point is absolutely right. Like Miami isn't having to get on zoom and show off the campus and show off the facilities and be like, Hey, this is our strength coach. Hey, this is our nutritionist and our academic advisor, because these kids have been so exposed to Miami over the past three or four years that they know exactly what it is. They know what the new IPF looks like. Um, They know what the campus situation is. Uh, and I think that's really helping Miami. So when they get on those those Facetimes or those Zooms, it's more about them just continuing to build the relationship that they already have. And I think with Cameron Kenshins that that definitely uh, played a factor. Um, I mean, his dad actually texted me afterwards. And he goes, "You know, Demarcus Van Dyke, the assistant director of recruiting, who everyone will probably remember. Uh, he had the fast forty-yard dash time at the at the NFL Combine years ago and Uh, his dad basically said like, DeMarcus Van Dyke had a huge role in all this. Um, And I just think that's because that relationship was developed uh, last summer or or the spring before that. So Miami just being where they're located um, has been a pretty big advantage for them when it comes to recruiting. And speaking of where
1: they're located, they now have, what, five players? I think I counted committed for Miami Northwestern. That's that's a whole lot for one high school. and, And they may not be done there. (laughs)
0: <laughs> we'll we'll see. I mean, five five players from from Miami Northwestern. Um, I, I you know you always want to talk about recruiting the best programs uh, or getting guys from the best programs, and, and Miami's got five from a team that's won three straight uh, state titles, um, and, and they're excited about all of them. And th- and there is another one potentially floating out there, and that's five star linebacker Terrence Lewis. He's currently committed to Tennessee as it stands right now, Miami hasn't really, um, you know, I, I don't know how much contact Miami has had with him, but I think if we get closer to that early signing period, assuming nothing, nothing changes, I mean, there's a chance that Miami could try to make a move on him. And Terrence is very, very familiar to like most of these South Florida kids with kind of the Miami staff and, and the situation that they got going on there. So, uh, I think that's something to monitor, but, uh, I had a chance to talk with Terrence over the weekend and he seems to be pretty locked in with Tennessee. He he really likes what the volunteers have, have going on there. So uh, I I wouldn't panic yet if I'm a, a a Tennessee fan, but I think that is a recruitment that is is probably potentially gonna have some more twists and turns. And for him him to end up
1: back at Northwestern is is certainly interesting. He also revealed to you, I was reading your article on 247sports.com. Uh, that Nebraska was actually his number two school, and that Texas A&M was actually his number three school at the time of his decision uh, several months ago. What what do
0: you make of that? Well, uh, you know, I, I'm not surprised by that because kind of when when you know Terrence played at Miami Northwestern, then he he had kind of he transferred into Hollywood Shamanad Madonna Prep, which is outside of Fort Lauderdale. For those not familiar with the South Florida recruiting scene uh, another school that has won back-to-back state titles uh, another powerhouse he was there for a little bit and, and the word was kind of that he was feeling Nebraska and Texas A&M and those are two schools that do an excellent job of kind of patrolling this area and, and are very well plugged in I mean normally we, we joke if if a kid has a you know his first few offers like once the, once the power five level like you know, everyone starts off with a Southern Miss offer down here. Then you get like the Kentucky and the Syracuse, and then that next levels uh, the Nebraska and the Texas A and M and the Penn State. So um, they they're very well connected down here, uh, and they had done an excellent job recruiting Terrence. Now, I know Terrence at one time was was committed to Florida. Um, he was linked to pretty much I, I think every SEC school, uh, and I think there's some reasons why maybe those schools weren't really pushing for him uh, just kind of some off the field stuff. But uh, I thought, I honestly thought Nebraska was like the team to beat. I, I think if there wasn't the dead period, he would have taken an official visit there for um, Nebraska's spring game. Like that was already kind of lined up. Uh, and then, you know, things got shut down and Tennessee who had a heck of a, a run during the quarantine kind of got him in the class. So uh, I'm not surprising. I, I mean, uh, it, it is what it is, but I, I think that's kind of one of the reasons why those two schools were in there,
1: for sure. Just very interesting that Nebraska would would be in it for you know, the number one outside linebacker in the country. Uh, so before we we get off Miami, who might be next for the Canes?
0: Oh, well, you know, numbers are getting getting tight for them, which is again kind of just crazy. I mean, let's let's go back six months ago. And Miami was fighting with like Nebraska to get kids uh, in the, in the previous cycle. And they've really kind of just flipped the script Manny Diaz has done it just with his, with the changing of the offenses hiring Ed Reed, you know, go to national signing day. They they won that big battle over Florida for Avante Williams. So they've done a good job of getting kids excited about what they think they, they they're building there in year two and potentially year three. I think the, the few names to keep an eye on if you're a Miami fan, number one is Brashard Smith. He's a speedy slot wide receiver out of Miami Palmetto, Uh, yet another kind of powerhouse program down here. Uh, Another former Florida commit. He opened his recruitment back up. A lot of people think that he's going to make uh, a decision by, by the end of the summer months. And, I think Miami's in an excellent spot. You know, Rhett Lashley, the new offensive coordinator, he wants to run an up-tempo spread attack and kind of get the guys, the balls in space. And they're telling Burchard, you can catch 50 to 60 balls here. Um, So I think he's one to watch. Another guy who has a commitment date set is Thomas Davis. He's an edge rusher out of uh, uh, Lounge, which is in Valdosta, Georgia, three-star guy, not the biggest edge, edge player at all. I mean, he's, Probably honestly like six one, two hundred and thirty pounds, but ran a four seven on the lasers last month. Uh, is extremely fast on the edge. I, I know Florida State just offered him, but a lot of people still think it's uh it's going to be Miami when he announces his decision. So those are, those those are the two, and um, there's there's some big fish out there as well. But we'll see if those guys uh, get close to making a decision or or moving up their their planned commitment dates. Uh, Miami class certainly has a lot of uh, upward mobility
1: and. Uh, over the weekend, uh, FBU had, had a football camp over there, in, I believe, in, in Naples, Florida, and you were able to get some scoop out of that on, on some priority targets for a lot of teams nationally.
0: Yeah, it was, you know, we're in this weird time where there's not a lot of camps. so if there is a camp, it's kind of worth it to make that drive, and, you know, we can only drive places, and, and Naples was about an hour and 20-minute drive for me, and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'm going I'm to see what's there, and, and I'm glad I went. Of course, I was you know, practicing social distancing, wearing my mask. And my, my biggest takeaway from that camp is Penn State um, is kind of in it for some of these guys down here in South Florida. Uh, Yo Keith Brown, he, he's a four-star athlete out of Miami Central. Really, he's kind of one of the top uncommitted prospects in South Florida right now. He told me the two schools he's talking the most with right now are, are Penn State uh, and Texas A&M. Doesn't think he's going to make a decision anytime soon, but it seems like uh, Juwan Sider has done an excellent job of building that relationship from a distance, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Nittany Lions got an official visit from him, uh, assuming uh, that we have visits. I mean, I don't really think we know what's going to go on there. It was also notable that Penn State um, is in contact with Miami offensive line commit Lawrence Seymour. He's a four-star recruit, also out of Miami Central um, not not the biggest lineman, a, a little vertically challenged. I, I think if he was 6'3", 6'4", he'd be a top 100 kid, but he, he's not. He, he's 6'2", right now, so uh, there's some concerns about that, but he's really talented. I mean, I watched him go through drills, and he, he was an absolute bully, and that's always been, that's been the case for him since he first came onto the scene as an eighth grader, but he said Penn State's in contact. Uh, I think Florida, Georgia, Florida State are, are also in there, so – um, he's one that Miami's going to have to fight to kind of keep in the class. But I did think it was pretty interesting that uh, Penn State uh, was mentioned by both those kids. Juwan has done a really good job in South Florida for, for a long time for a number of teams
1: and continues to do so there at Penn State. I, I love watching Yulkeith play. Like Yulke Brown is just – he's freaky fast, man. I, he's, he's really kind of a, a delight to watch. Ivins, appreciate you jumping on with us. One last thing before, before I get you out of here – we have our 2022 rankings coming out on Wednesday. Be sure to go to 247sports.com to check those out. And each of us kind of took different positions to, to, to spearhead and introduce to the group and, and evaluate uh, which ones did you have. And, and if you could give us a player or two at those positions, uh, who you're really looking forward to watching more of, assuming we have ball this fall.
0: So I, I had tight ends. Uh, that was that was kind of my offensive position. I, I don't know why I've become so fascinated with that group, but I, I had tight ends and then I had uh, cornerbacks on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I'm down here in South Florida. This is kind of like the the home of uh, of cornerbacks, I guess. Uh, I would say, you know, I don't know specific players I'm going to bring up at tight end. I, I will say it's early, and I think guys are going to emerge. But it seems like it's not really a deep year for tight ends. On the flip side, though, I think it's an excellent year in 2022 at corner. Um, and as I watched some of these guys, I, I kind of hit up some of my college contacts and I was like, am I just in a really good mood today? Or or do you guys agree that this is pretty top heavy? And the feedback I got kind of aligned with, with what I'm thinking. And there's there's going to be a lot of, of good corners. And I, I think that, you know, there's going to be enough to go around if that makes sense. Uh, I mean, yeah, some schools are going to stack these guys, but I, I think uh, other programs are going to have a chance. I mean, let let me, let me go through my notes here. Uh, like Damani Jackson, you know he's he he's already a borderline five star. But I thought when I watched his tape, I mean he's he's elite and he's got good good track times to, to back it up. Travis Hunter, uh, the, the Florida State commit there in, in Georgia, bud. Like I also think he's really good. So I I just think it's it's a deep year at that position. And like I said, tight end, it's we're kind of still searching to, to see who 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 those elite guys are going to go and. Um, who they'll be yeah I I saw
1: your notes on the corners and w- w- when I when I went through my watch I was like oh wow Ivins is right I mean these this is a, a loaded corner year I I think 22 corners are better than the class of 2021 corners at, at least early on I mean that this is this is a really nice year
0: no it, and I agree and I think bud like there's actually like some in the southeast like I think the past two cycles you even go back to the 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 2019 or the 2020 and 2021, like it's kind of been a little lacking. I I, I would say in Florida and Georgia and kind of the surrounding areas. So this is a bit refreshing. Absolutely, Ivan's really appreciate you joining us here on the 24/7 Sports College Football Recruiting Podcast. Make
1: sure you all like and subscribe iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. And leave us those five star ratings. When we come back, we'll be joined by Brian Doan, who has some scoop on some prospects from Virginia in the Northeast.
2: Alright,
1: and welcome back. This is the 24-7 Sports College Ball Recruiting Podcast, and we're pleased to welcome in
2: Brian Doan. Brian, what's going on? Hey, I, I know, good to talk to you, bud, and I know when I don't get to talk to Blair, it means no soccer talk on this. So, you know, every other than that, just, you know, getting ready for more kids to announce. There you go, man. There,
1: I, 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 uh, I'll watch the soccer if it's on, but I don't really seek it out quite, <laughs> quite like you guys do. So, really interesting story you, you, you published this morning. On, on Logan Taylor, a, a four-star offensive tackle from Virginia, he's going to announce his commitment. We've had a ton of kids announce commitments, so that's not really interesting in and of itself. But tell us why. This one
2: is, is pretty interesting. Yeah, this one's crazy. So he's a six-eight offensive tackle who lives in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Spent his first season down at Episcopal Academy in Alexandria, Virginia in 2019. So what makes it really interesting is the only visit he made was to UVA. So his top three UVA, North Carolina, Florida, he, North Carolina has got a good relationship at the school, Florida, you know, great academics. So they're in it, but he's his only visits to UVA, his parents are in Canada. So the plan was to visit everywhere in March and the kid has, you know, 25 offers. Well, All of a sudden, visits get shut down, so he can't go anywhere in in March, April. He's up in Canada now. He went back up there. The border is closed in a lot of instances, so it's not like he can just drive across the border or fly back and start visiting all these campuses. His parents haven't been anywhere with him on trips. He's only been to Virginia. Virginia. Lord knows if we're ever going to get back to visits. I mean, I'm guessing at some point we do. So he's going to make a decision. His only visit's been to UVA. But as we've seen, kids all over the place are committing to schools that they haven't visited. And But I think, Bud, my favorite part of the story with Logan Taylor is, so he played up in, in Nova Scotia for a couple years. And in the summers, he would haul bags of scallops, like 80-pound bags of scallops, wow. which – for me, I would get the eighty pound bag off the boat, and by the time I got it to where it was going to be delivered, it'd be forty pounds because I just eat them all. But I mean, it's just it's just a crazy story, dude. That that is wow. That that is pretty crazy. So, uh, do you get the vibe that he really knows
1: where he wants to go, or is this, in your opinion, more of a like a reserving a spot in a class? We, we've seen a lot of kids kind of get nervous; the spots seem to dry up, and 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 they commit as well, and, and it sort of creates a domino effect.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's interesting, and. For me, with him, though, I don't think he knows enough about the recruiting game to reserve a spot. Like He, he hasn't really dived deep into it. But what was clear was he, he's, he's a big-time academic kid. His coach tells me he's a 4.0 kid and and really coachable. So you're looking at great academic schools. And and let's say Florida, UNC, UVA are all really good academic schools. So that makes sense. And then, you know, localis is important. And it's all on the East Coast, and so it's it's not easy for his parents to get to any of the schools, but so at least it's not some cross you know once you get into the u s across the country kind of kind of deal, so it'll be somewhat close to to for him to travel home and for his family to come see him no matter what. but yeah, I, I think he's done the research, and talking to his coach, you know the kid would go out hunting or fishing, come back to four hundred text messages from coaches um, and just said, you know did some virtual tours kind of narrowed it down and now is ready to make a decision. I think I think he's been systematic in it, but he's been really quiet because I'll be honest, when he hit me back this morning to say, here are my three schools, I was absolutely stunned to hear from him. That's that's wild. Uh so Brian, I, I gotta put you on the spot here. Have you dropped a crystal ball yet for him? I have I have not I think by Monday night I'll have one dropped in. I'm I'm leaning real heavily toward Virginia. I still need to make another call or two to find out what's going on i really when i make my picks a lot of people that follow me know this i really don't like to change picks once i make them so i I really want to feel good about this i feel good now i I want to feel great i should say so but i would say by the time my head hits the pillow monday night there'll be a pick in
1: got a crystal ball preview here from from brian doan for four-star offensive tackle logan taylor that's a kid I'm going to follow for sure. First of all, I've never heard of a player from Nova Scotia. Have you? I, I've
2: heard <laughs> no. of guys from Ontario. and No, no but here's the, here's, the, here's the great part about it. So, you know, the coach is a really good dude, Mark Morose, down at Episcopal. But he tells me there's another kid who's supposed to come for the 2020 season. Now we'll see if it happens. Who's a 2022 kid. So and he said, "Hey, another offensive lineman, big-bodied kid. Saw him move on tape. So <laughs> here we go. I mean, maybe maybe that episcopal to Halifax pipeline is starting.
1: Wow, I'm I'm interested in watching that. So over the weekend, uh, two big commitments as well uh, from your region. So had to have Brian Doan on the show today. Uh, four-star defensive end George Wilson uh, picks South Carolina over UNC at." Let us know, I, I, how big is this for South Carolina and
2: what are the Gamecocks getting? Well, it's huge, first of all, because right now when you look at the 24-7 sports composite, he's the highest rated kid in the class. He's a four-star kid at a Virginia Beach green run. What they're getting, and people always ask about how we do rankings and what's important, and I think George Wilson is a great example of what's important. So he was a good player, good defensive end through middle school, six-five, two-thirteen. 213 now, decides in high school he's going to play basketball so he plays two years of basketball has an offer from Hampton but he knows the football coach he sees the football coach all the time at school and eventually winds up going out for the team makes it you know has double digit sacks he's long he's athletic he gets off the edge quickly you know he he's going to South Carolina as a D and outside linebacker hybrid which you have to be now at that size in college it seems like and you know he, the you, pure athleticism is there he's great with his speed his change of direction for a kid that's 6-5 is very good um you know and there's a lot to work with there but there's a long way to go also um you know again in talking to his coaches it's yeah he had you know 14 or so sacks and he should have had close to 30 he's still learning technique how to use his hands how to get leverage how to stack and shed so you know Teams aren't just gonna run at him all the time in college. How can he handle that 6'6, 290 pound offensive tackle when he comes out to block on him? All that stuff has to be taught, but he doesn't have a lot of bad habits. So you're looking at just the pure, you know, his frame, which is great. It can add easily 235, 240 for for weight. He's got a long way to go in upper body strength, which, again, he has long arms, so it's going to take him longer to really develop that upper body. But there's so much to work with that you say, okay, forget where he is now. Where is he going to be in three years? And to me, he can be one of the best players on South Carolina's defense just because of his size, athleticism, and growth potential. And you can move him around. I mean, he he can drop into coverage. He has to learn to do it. You know, I don't think he's going to be a guy who can cover the tight end down the field Thirty yards, but I think he's a guy who can play in the flat cover zone and really be effective coming off the edge because he's doing it a lot just on pure athleticism right now.
1: Brian, did did the pick surprise you? It, it seemed like North Carolina was getting basically everybody they wanted so far this cycle, and I really hadn't heard a lot of noise about South Carolina again to this point. Uh, but they they that's a pretty big
2: win for them. Yeah, it, it shocked me to be honest because I was on North Carolina for a little bit. He made his announcement. You know, he said, "I'm going to announce and." I did my checking and North Carolina seemed to be the pick. And then the last few days before his announcement, the momentum for South Carolina really came in and it came down to really two things. South Carolina was on him early. They offered him in November and he built a relationship with several of the coaches there, including Mike Peterson, the outside linebackers coach who does a great job recruiting for South Carolina. And I think that turned out to be really big and you know, just for, for George himself. And then his mom was comfortable with the staff at South Carolina. And as they sat down and really went through this to them, it was, you know, the the familiarity and the comfortability with the coaching staff just won out. And it's close enough. I mean, North Carolina is a lot closer, but still Columbia is close enough for the family to get down and see. But what really made it strange was with North Carolina, you know, they, they had the Tony Grimes momentum and, it just seemed like North Carolina, like you said, was getting whoever they wanted, and so it just was like, okay, George is going to be the next one. But I give South Carolina a ton of credit in being able to close it. And listen, I I think Penn State also pushed really hard. I know he was talking to James Franklin pretty much up until the day before his decision. Um, and you know, in this day and age, where George has not gotten out to see a lot of schools, he has not been to South Carolina. Um, if visits open up. I mean, I'm not going to say that he won't take any visits. I mean, he may not take visits, but I'd be surprised. I could see him going to a campus or two. And,
1: like, let's be honest. Your kids should take some visits. That's the normal recruiting process. If they open up, like, I, I think you're making a mistake if you don't take any visits. And that's not, you know, us trying to get him to not go to USC or anything like that. But, you know, obviously, take some visits. Yeah, I look at it
2: this way. When you're, when you're a kid and you go through this recruiting process once, Okay. Everything's new. It's easy to be spun by coaches. And, and I'm talking in general, not about George. I'm talking in general. Um, you know, these coaches recruit hundreds of kids a year, been doing it for 10, 20, 30 years. They know how to do it. It's their job. And so, yeah, the, you pressure kids into committing. You You make it seem like, okay, here's what's really going on. And you know, at the end of the day, it's who you feel comfortable with and who you trust. And back to George Wilson, his family and George felt the most comfortable with South Carolina and trusted South Carolina the most. And that's why he's there. And when I see kids that commit and maybe haven't made the visit, well, in this day and age with the virtual visits, you can you know he knows what the South Carolina campus feels. You know looks like he doesn't know the feel. He knows what it looks like. He knows the proximity of buildings and everything. So he's done his due diligence with this, and and he really put a lot of effort and work into making this decision. So at the end of the day, I expect him to stick with South Carolina, even if he does make other visits. Awesome. All right, one more for for me, Brian Doan. Over the weekend,
1: four-star linebacker Greg Penn picked LSU over what Maryland, Alabama, A&M, A number other schools. What are the Tigers getting in Greg Penn?
2: Well, but you've been on those recruiting ranking calls with me and, you know, and everybody else. And, and so you guys know how much I like Greg Penn. He's 6'1", 6'2", 225. He can play at 230, 235 if you need him to. He is a great in-the-box linebacker. He can sift through traffic, uh, good with his hands. You know, he, he's able to take on the block, locate the ball carrier. He really does a good job of not overplaying and not overrunning a play, he'll be patient. And then when it's time, he'll hit that gap. He can blitz from the inside. I don't think he's a guy that's going to come off the edge. I think you're better off lining him up in the middle, have him shoot one of the gaps to get to the quarterback or in the running game. They blitz him a lot in the running game at DeMatha. He's a really smart kid. Uh, he's a kid I've known since, you know, his freshman year because he's been on the radar for that long. Um, he's what you want in a high level level insider for LSU. is going to play a 4-3 middle linebacker because he can run the defense and he can run sideline to sideline. He has really good athleticism. And I think because he was on the radar so early and ranked high so early that people forget just how good he really is. And, you know, to me, I think he's one of the top linebacker prospects in the region. Awesome. Brian...
1: Thanks so much for joining us this week. It was was good to talk to you, good to fill in for Blair, and and enjoy doing it. Hopefully we will be able to do it
2: again soon. Appreciate it, bud. Thank you. All right, take care, bud.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.